Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. A little bit different from here on. In fact, Peter, you know, your life is not going to be the way that you want it to, to go. And Peter turns around and says, hey, about that guy behind you want to get ready brother Colton get ready and he says what about that guy behind me and Jesus says to him he says really that's none of your business your mission is to follow me he says if it it may be my will for him to live until I come again of course, we know the difference between the stories of that, but that old chorus, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Wherever you lead. He's got a course already set. Each of our lives, they're not the same, but our mission is not to be too concerned about the course he's got set for Colton or Brian, but where is it that I'm supposed to go? Amen. Where are you supposed to go? Amen. Brother Colton, God bless you. Amen. Appreciate you very much. I uh, lost, I didn't lose my Bible. I left it. There's a, I think there's a difference. Uh, we went to Spokane uh, last Friday, and I left at my parents' church. So it's in great hands, but I have to... I get to use this very large Bible that I was uh, given a very long time ago. The pages are pretty crisp because as a kid, I wasn't the best, you know, bread reader. But the, the binding's a little torn because I did take it everywhere to every church service. So it was, uh, you know, little victories right there, right? You know? Um, so, but if you see me fumbling around through this, because I'm not comfortable with, or not super comfortable with the big pages, or it's a big study Bible. It's really great. But... I do know where the things are in the word because you just, you learn it for so long. When you have great Sunday school teachers, you, you kind of learn where John is about. And if you know, if you flip to Psalms, it's probably going to be closer to the middle of the book, right? Because it's, it's so big. Statistically, you're supposed to find Psalms first because it's just so many chapters. And that's where we're going to be. So if you know where it is, good job. And if you don't know where Psalms is, just open the Bible. You'll probably hit it. So we'll be all be good. Psalm 61, and we're going to be jumping to Psalm 62 right next to each other. You don't have to put your thumb somewhere else and flip all the way over in your big Bible. They're really close together. I want to thank, uh, thank Pastor, Pastor Grant, Pastor Noel. He's a, just a great pastor. I've had three great pastors. He's one of them. Not because I church hopped, just because uh, uh, my, pat, my dad took over for our first pastor who gave me this Bible. And uh, then I'm, I'm here now, praise God, and I'm so blessed to be here. And uh, yeah, so Psalm 61, starting at verse 1, this is a psalm of David in, to the chief musician upon Negidina. I don't know how to pronounce that word starting with N, but it means a string instrument, and I learned that from my giant study Bible. So praise God, we're learning new things every day. Verse 1, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. 
lead me to that rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. That will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. That's so powerful right there. Prepare mercy and truth. The church sits right on the corner of mercy and truth. You can find mercy at this altar. You can find mercy in prayer anywhere. And it's built on truth. The Bible, the word of God. If you want to be preserved, if you want to have long, everlasting life, just go to mercy and truth. It's going to keep you. It's going to keep you going every day. Verse 8, so will I sing praise unto thy names forever that I may daily perform my vows. Try not to keep you standing too longer. Ver, uh, Psalm 62, we're going to read 1 and 2 and then jump down to verse 8. So again, Psalm of David, continuing in that same vein. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. If you want to, you know, in a, I don't know how to relate this to football. That's the only thing I think of when defense comes. You got to think football. Football and basketball, you got to get defense in. You don't want that offensive player moving you, you know. But if God's your defense, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right there. Upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall move you. They're not going to come against you. It's not going to anything happen. They're going to be right next to you. But you're not going to be moved at all because God is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Now I'm going to pray, and then I'll, we'll all sit down together, except for me, I'll stay standing. But thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, for your great word that you've given us, for being a great defense to us. We will not be greatly moved. I ask that you, you use this word, you use me as a speaker to just speak good, to just talk good today about you. And just to let us all learn something together. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Praise God. The rock higher than I shows me a lot more than, I, than where I start. Right? Does that make sense? It didn't make sense because I said it wrong. I had, a, I had a great, oh, thank you. I had, a, I had written down here. I just didn't read it. Has anyone ever been to the top of Badger? You see that that is actually on Badger, that picture. So has anyone started at the bottom of Badger Mountain? Can you see anything on the other side of Badger from the bottom of Badger Mountain? No, you can't. But when you're led up to the rock that's higher than you, you gain a little bit more perspective of what's around you. Uh, the rock higher than I shows more than I would see down where I start. That just kind of makes sense, but, you know, I've taken a lot of college classes, and they all say something that makes total sense if you think about it, but they use too many words to do it. They like to run you around in circles to, to tell you three words. It's crazy, and then you have to pay thousands of dollars. It's, it's, a, it's a gambit, I tell you, but, boy, do they got me hooked. <laughs> but the rock higher than I am shows me better perspective based on my elevation. It shows me not only where I came from, because that's a very important perspective to have, where did you come from? What's your story? What's your path that you've been led to for up until now? And then also show you what's on the other side, where you're going, where you're going to get to eventually. Sometimes at the bottom of a mountain, it's such a, pastor knows this probably more than anyone, the bottom of a mountain, 
is daunting, and it's much different than the, the top of the mountain. But the journey in between may be the most difficult part. But still, even when I'm in the bottom of the mountain, you feel like in the depths of a valley at the bottom. But you can still be led to the rock higher than, than where you are. Oh, thank you, brother. My cup runneth over. Thank you. So when I think of this psalm, and this is a very powerful psalm for me. In fact, I needed this psalm today. We had a very overwhelming day at my job. Just some things happened. And literally, like, I didn't ask God, God, give me an overwhelming day so I could talk about this. Because I had thought about this scripture for a while. But it just so happened that the day was overwhelming. Things got out of, you know, out of control quick. My boss is gone. He's doing something very important right now, but he's not there. So it's kind of a mess right now. And then more things are just, just creating this chaos that if you're not careful, you can be so easily overwhelmed and then you find I find myself when I'm overwhelmed usually making a lot of snarky remarks you know very and I say it with a smile so I hope people take it as jokes but it's really me kind of like lashing out not at them just at the situation I'm working on myself but we're getting there but when I was in this overwhelming situation I just I had the scripture in me because I was just I was I was working on it. I was trying to have it work on me. And I just said, lead me to the rock higher than I am. And all of a sudden, things just started to get a little easier. It's a little easier. That's the power of the word of God. When you have the word of God on your side, which the word of God will always be on the side if you're using the sword of the spirit correctly. It will always be fighting for you. It's going to help you out in a lot of times. When I think of a story of someone's heart is overwhelmed, you can go to many people in the Bible. The Bible's full of people who have needed God. That's kind of why we have the Bible, right? Because we need God. But I go to the story of Hannah, the mother of, of Samuel, in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. The namesake of the book is, starts out with his, with his mother, and it starts off with a woman who is depressed. She's anxious, and she's scared. Now, I don't know about scared, but she's, she's fearful of her place, her standing in her very own family. It's, it's anxiety-ridden. It's, it's feeling like you don't have any self-worth. She, uh, she is a, a one of two wives of this man, Elkanah, and he loves Hannah the most. He loves her so much, he gives her a worthy portion. He gives his wife one portion, he gives Hannah the worthy portion. But because she can't have children, because she can't live up to a standard that she really wants to reach, because she can't live up to an ex expectation that's set for her, she's overwhelmed. She goes to a place where she doesn't even eat. She, she's, she's so miserable. But she doesn't just sit in it. She goes to the place where you can find mercy and truth. She goes to the house of God. Uh, Psalms 34 and 18 says the Lord is, uh, oh, maybe I should just probably, oh, look, there it is. The Lord is nigh or close unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. Don't, a broken heart's tough. An overwhelmed heart is tough to deal with, but God doesn't discount you because your heart's broken. God doesn't discount you or put you aside because you don't feel like you should, you know, feel like you're not living up to something. God says, that's exactly what I'm looking for because he's the great fixer of all things. He can put everything back in place where it's supposed to be. We see the, in the story of Hannah that she's in the temple and she's praying and she's praying so much that her lips stop or her lips are moving, but her mouth isn't saying any words. Eli, the priest, is there, or the judge, too. And he, the Bible says he marked her mouth. He didn't, like, slap it. He just looked at it, is what it means. He paid attention to her mouth, and he said, this lady is drunk. She's praying so hard, and nothing's going on. And he asked her, why are you drunk, basically, in a very condensed Colton 
James Version. I don't, the Colton Joseph Version, maybe CJV will go with that. Jesus says, why are you drunk, lady? <laughs> maybe, probably nicer, maybe more authoritative. I don't know. I wasn't there, but he was, he asked her, and she says, I'm not drunk, but I have poured out my soul unto the Lord. Wow. Talk about something so overwhelming that you just got to get it out of there. It's like being, con- if you've, uh, we played this game in the youth group, and we've done it at junior camp too, I remember doing it, where you have a cup of water, and you have two vases, and you keep on trying to fill up that cup until it just gets to the breaking point. Whoever breaks the, the water tension, it gets like a big bubble. It's crazy. We should have played that, Cooper. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm no fun in games. The last, last few times we've had some games and candy, I'm not, I'm, I'm strict, strictly to the book. Man, I'm serious. We should have played that game. I'm sorry, Coop. That's on me. But it just gets to a point where you keep on filling that thing up. It can only take so much. You only have so much capacity. Your heart can only handle so much. Don't, don't try to live up to a stand where you think you can just handle everything because you truly can't. You can handle a lot. Some people can't handle as much as other people. I'm probably on the lower end of handling stuff. My mind is, is not, as, not as sharp as people think it is just because uh, – it looks like I do, uh, I do things well, but you haven't seen me when I'm driving and I don't you know, use my blinker or something, right? It's just, I only have so much capacity to show you how, how I should act versus how I actually act, you know, kind of a balance, if it makes sense. It makes sense to me as I'm saying it, but maybe not. But just because you can't handle something doesn't mean you're not worth it. Just because you can't handle what life is throwing, it doesn't mean God's saying, well, I guess you can't handle the kingdom of God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm preparing you for something bigger than you can handle. I'm expanding you right now. I'm growing you. I'm moving you. Hannah didn't know what she was expecting. She pleaded, and she said, I have a vow to you right now, God, that if you give me this through my torment, through, through her adversary was mocking her and laughing at her, and it didn't look like she'd ever have a kid, that's what she really wanted, right? She wanted a son. Because everyone else around her had a son, basically, the one other wife had a son. Everyone else was, 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 being, was doing what they're supposed to, and you're just trying as hard as you can, and you're not doing anything, it looks like. That's a heartbreaking situation. And the enemy likes to come in at you when you're at heartbreaking situations. Lions prey on the weak and feeble. You know, that's what hunters do. They try to find the back of the pack. And Peter calls the devil, your adversary, the devil, in 1 Peter chapter 5, very, very uh, knowledge, uh, well-known piece of scripture. In verse 8 of chapter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's, a, there's an old story that I've, I've heard over a pulpit, I think. I didn't make it up, I promise. I've heard it. And it says that this, this pastor was calling, or this lady was calling her pastor, and she says, Pastor, I'm so scared because, you know, I'm reading in Genesis, and, and the devil's a snake. He's a serpent. And I'm reading in First Peter, and now the devil's a lion. And in Revelation, he's, he's a dragon. He's so scary. I don't know if I'm going to be able. He's like, well, if you just read the next verse, if you just go, sometimes it's just about holding on to the next moment. Sometimes it's just about not sitting down where, where you are and just keep on going. Because if you read the next few verses in Genesis, it says that the woman's going to bruise the heel of Satan, you know. The seed of the woman's going to bruise the heel of the adversary. It says just in verse 9 right here, bruise his head. That's right. The heel's going to bruise the head. I should have read that. But, <laughs> but 
in verse 8, it says, be sober. He's a roaring lion, but the roaring lion who's so scary resists the steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I should have gave you more scriptures because I'm going to read on uh, 1 Peter 5 uh, and now 10. But the God of all grace who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, it's a little suffering sometime, but a little suffering is good for the soul, makes you perfect, establish, and st establish, strengthen, and settle you. That overwhelming sea of torment inside of you, it's going to, that's that torment right now, it's going to establish you into something better. It's going to strengthen you so you can handle more. It's going to settle you down so you can get ready for the next thing. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. That word dominion is so great because it means that to him, not me, Colton's not in control of everything. If Colton was in control of everything, it's been a mess. You haven't seen my room? I'm in control of the room. The room's a mess. You don't want to mess with that. But God has dominion over everything. He's in control of everything, and he will strengthen, establish, and settle you. That's so. I'm so thankful that we have a God who wants to strengthen you. He wants to establish you where you're supposed to be, and he wants to settle you down sometimes. Because we, when we get scared, we get in our, in our mind too much, we can go kind of crazy and everywhere. I do. I think of too many things. I put too much on my to-do list, and I don't even write down a to-do list. I have to keep it all in my mind. My mind is not a steel trap. Maybe it's a vault that I lost the key for, probably, because I lock things in there, can't get it back, don't know where it went. But, praise God, he's in control of everything. When my heart's overwhelmed, I can go somewhere. I can go to the rock that is higher than I am. Amen. Hannah was picked on. She said she'd never be good enough. The enemy likes to do that. The enemy likes to also say, hey, show us who you really are. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to... Uh, the devil even did that to Jesus, right? He, in the wilderness, in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, he said, if you're really the son of, son of man, if you're really who you say you are, do a miracle right now in front of me. Just do it. We don't have to do that. We don't have to give in to that pressure. We don't have to give in to that, like, I don't have to perform miracles all the time because that's not my role. I'm, I'm working for the miracle worker, praise God. So he's going to do everything. All I have to do is stand fast in the faith. That's what Jesus did, the faith in the word of God. He just used scripture. You don't, have to, you don't have to have some big works of lightning and thunder to beat your adversary. You just have to say, man does not live by bread alone, but every word of, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You, could, you don't even have to quote it completely like Bible quiz worthy. You just have to get the basics down, right? Thank you, thank you Jesus, because I, I get so tongue-tied, as you've seen probably 17 or 18 times tonight. But as long as I have the word here. It may come out a little differently here, but as long as I got the word here, I think I'm going to be all right. You have to have faith in that word that you keep here. It's one thing to put it there. It's another thing to remember to use it. I, uh, I'm going to talk about backpacks. I have a backpack. I wanted to make it kind of obvious so people are like, ooh, what's that? Is that a game? It's not a game. I'm sorry. I don't play games. I do play games. But Psalms 119.11 says, the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, right? I just said that I have a backpack, just so you guys, you know, pay attention, focus up back there. Those of you, if not used to see, you're great. So Hannah, pouring out her heart, she finally gets what she asked for, because the man of God says, whatever, whatever, whatever your request is, let God grant it. And she doesn't just, like, she doesn't look down, and she's not immediately pregnant. That's not how it works. But she had faith that God would do what he said God would do. 
You have faith in the word of faith. You have to have a little bit of extra faith sometimes to say, you know what? He said it. It's settled now. I can go. I'm established. I'm strengthened and I'm settled down. And she goes and eventually she has a kid and she has this wonderful, wonderful prayer, this wonderful Psalms of praise almost in chapter two. And in verse two, she says, there is no other rock like our God. There is no other rock like your God. There's no other high place that you can go to it and see where you're supposed to be. There's nothing that's going to f- affirm you more in your foundation than God, our rock, the rock of our salvation. And so that's, that whole story gives me so much hope. Not that like, oh, hope I one day can be pregnant. That's not what I'm saying. It gives me hope that if I really need something from God and I'm really struggling, I'm really troubled, God's going to come through to me because I poured out my heart to him. I know it's 2022, you can do whatever. I know I'm not going to do that, praise God. (laughs) But God can help you through everything. Paul says that my God will provide for your needs according to his riches and glory. (laughs) According to his riches and glory, he's in control. He will provide. All you have to do is just have a little belief. Just hang on a little bit. Just wait till that next verse. Because you don't know what's going to be in that next verse. We see in one verse he's a lion, but we see in the next verse that lion can be tamed. He can be resisted. He can be set down. And he will be set, uh, set down. Brother Jeff, we read the back of the book. We know what's going to happen. We just have to have faith that we can wait till the next verse sometimes. So I did a little bit of, of research and I got the sciences out and I, I used my several credits that I've got from Washington State University Tri Cities to Google um, what does depression and anxiety do to the heart? It's it's really actually unfair what stress does to the heart. The st- if you have a lot of stress, your heart starts releasing more stress. It releases a chemical that makes you more stressed and that's like that's a that's not a good loop. That's that's kind of dangerous. Depression and, and anxiety and heavy levels of stress can lead to cardiac arrest and strokes, and, and it's just not good things, not good things at all. Stress isn't good for the heart. Being overwhelmed is not good for you. The, the, the script we read didn't say, when I'm overwhelmed, that's where you're supposed to be. No, it said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. You're supposed to go someplace else. We're su- don't worry. Your stress is not going to be with you forever. I believe in the name of Jesus, God can take away stress and anxiety. The situations... The problems, they're probably still going to be there. Hannah didn't immediately get pregnant, so she probably had to endure a little bit more teasing. Like, you'll never be pregnant. I don't care what that man Eli said. You'll probably still be the same way. You can come out of a great church service knowing that you're affirmed in the word of God, and you can still get that voice in the back of your head. Well, you don't really believe that, do you? Well, I do believe that because it's what the Bible said. It's what God said in my heart, and I'm going to stand on that. Can I, can I submit to you that the heart is kind of like it's kind of like a backpack. Is that okay? Only on one aspect, not like direct comparison. I don't put blood in here. I don't take blood out of it. I don't try to involve my backpack with blood. This is my high school backpack. It's very fun. Do you see how fun it is? The zipper doesn't work. I put so much stuff in here at one point that it was just bulging, and I was, I was leaning everywhere. It wasn't good. Hurts the back. Um, in fact, there's a study done in the 1990s, late 1990s, that 3,000 students reported uh, – There's a a word that I was going to use, but chronic, chronic back pain from their backpacks being too heavy. By 2012, it was such a big deal that President Obama said by 2017, no backpacks. I went to school in 2017, still backpacks. (laughs) 
backpacks and books and stuff. That does not, that's not a dig at anyone, I promise. That's just saying that it's even, like, it's tough. It's tough. Even at college, you have those big college textbooks. I have some of them with me today. This one, this one, oh, look at that. Truth in red letters? No, amen. This is calculus, I believe. No, this is chemistry. Still a big word for me. And then you have your calculus here, and then you have some others. And the world likes to treat your heart like a backpack. Likes to treat your heart like the backpack. Can I get, can I get a strong young man back there to, to, to hold a backpack for me? One of you two? Oh, Cooper. Thank you. Give a hand to Cooper. Yeah. So there's already some stuff in there. Can you just hold that? You can hold it however you want. If you want to wear it, you can. And the world likes to treat your heart like a backpack. Because you could treat your heart like a backpack too. The world have I hid my heart. I hid my homework so deep in my backpack I couldn't find it. You can hide stuff in your heart. And you can hide stuff in your backpack. Is that heavy? No, you're, you're a big strong man. You might want to use two straps. So the world likes to, you know, tell you how things work. Chemistry, that's good. It's smart. You know, it's, it's fun to have. We have a chemistry aficionado over there. It's just the best. I'm just going to, yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to put that in there. The world likes to give you more new, useful, maybe useful. Has anyone ever used calculus? I don't, oh, Isaac all the time uses calculus. I can tell. And he likes to throw that in your backpack. Likes to weigh you down. Cooper's a big, strong man, though. But then the world also likes to give you just a bunch of nonsense, just a bunch of lies and deception, and they want you to weigh your heart down. And now you have a lot of stuff going there. I used to put my homework, but not to Cooper. Cooper's strong. He can handle it. But it, the backpack's kind of overflowing. You can't really put much in there. And when someone pushes you and pulls you around, it's hard to keep balance. Because your heart's so, thank you, Cooper. Do you, you can put that down. I appreciate that. He's too strong. I should have gotten, I should have, should have gotten another Drew or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he has, he has really big muscles, so that's why I made that joke. It's all right. But the world likes to put so much in your backpack that you can't function correctly. I had a lot of books in my backpack, and I had homework, which I needed to put in my backpack, and I did put it in there. I never had a case of the dog ate the homework. It was always the backpack ate the homework because it'd be crushed down over all these books of other stuff. When it comes time to pull out the homework, you don't know where it went. It's like Mary Poppins' bag in there except for you don't get anything out of it. And so when it's time like that where you hide the word, you do hide the word. You have some scriptures in there, but it just gets so bogged down with other stuff that it's hard to find what really matters most in a time of need. When you're stressed and when you're being pushed one way or another, when your heart's overwhelmed, there's a place you can go. You can go to the rock that's higher than you in your current situation. You can be taken somewhere else. Praise God. You, and all you have to do, really, you, and you can also just, you can kind of just, you can kind of just pour it out. Someone paid a lot of money for these textbooks. You can just pour out your heart to God, and you'll be ready to go for the next thing because now your heart's prepared and ready to be filled with something else. That's why we repent, right? We pour out our heart. We pour it out so God can put something even greater inside. It's, it's a process to pour your heart out. Praise God. It's a process to pour out your soul. It takes a lot of tears. Hannah went through a lot of tears and pain and sorrow as she was pouring out her heart so that nothing was left in it. Where she just had words 
her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out because it's, it, it really eats away. You have to really dig sometimes to get everything out of there so you can be ready for the promise that God has for you. But I can tell you that what you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. He turns mourning into dancing. He gives you joy unspeakable, full of glory. Jesus himself said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Out of the deepest parts of you, out of the parts that gets tied in knots when you don't know what to do next. God can unwind everything in there and give you just new space to work with. That He's going to fill you up with something greater than you ever had before. You can experience rivers of living water. That's the Holy Ghost, my dear God. That's, that's his spirit living inside. That's more than just him giving you direction. That's him you know, taking control, ha- having his hands on the reins sometimes, telling you which way to go, which way not to go. All you got to do is just listen. As Sister Alicia said last week, you just got to listen sometimes. Don't try to make God move for you. Just wait for the move of God. So by the filling of God himself, the Holy Spirit, you can have new life down in your hearts. When your heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock. We talked about the path. God leads us down different paths. And it's a tough thing to say, God, can you lead me to the rock that is higher than I? Not just take me, not just teleport me to the rock higher than I am. Can you lead me? The Bible says he leads me beside still waters. He leads you good places. But he might also lead you to places that you didn't know, you didn't expect you were going. Jesus led the disciples through Samaria. They didn't know they were going to go that way. They didn't know what they were going to expect. But they were still led. And as long as you're following God, your path is going to look completely different from anyone else. But if our, our destination is going to be the same place in the end, amen, we're going to be in heaven someday because the path is taking us there. And it's not always, it's not always fun and games sometimes. It's not always super easy to just be on that path, to be led. Paul had probably one of the most difficult paths that you can read in the Bible of three shipwrecks. He got bit by a snake one time. He just threw it off, though. Uh, which is like the coolest thing to do. You don't want to talk about being a hero. He just threw a snake off of him. Now people in churches just pick up snakes. Don't do that. Well, it's not smart. But Paul, when he's talking to King Agrippa, Paul says, as he's beginning to tell his testimony, he says, I, I think myself happy. And maybe we can like use like common knowledge. That he's like, I think I'm happy, but I, I like to think of it as an action. I think myself happy. There's a study that has been done that if you just start to smile, you get happier. There's, it's just a physical effect on you. Sometimes you just got to think yourself happy to get through to the next verse, to that next chapter of your life. There's a lot of people in this world who aren't happy. 21% of Gen Z, which is about a little older than me, all the way down to kids still in school, identify, 21% identify as LGD, LGBTQ+. 21%. That is a big slice of the population. It's mind-blowing. The, they go into details, and I don't really need the details. Most of them identify as this and that. I'm like, I, but still, to identify with yourself as something that you shouldn't be, that's a sign of unhappiness because you're trying to go somewhere else for it. You're trying, this world, I feel, I, I, I don't want to, like, yell, like, if you're, if you're eligible, you're going to hell because we can't do that. We have to have hope for the people that just because they led down a different path than where it's supposed to be, just because they got off the trail or didn't even start in the right place like I got to start. I grew up in a church. I grew up raised by a loving, godly family. I knew what's right from wrong from the beginning. A lot of these people, these Gen Zers, they don't know anything about that. They don't know about the hope of glory that can live inside of them. we got to think ourselves happy. 
But those people can't think themselves happy. They don't know what to think. They don't know how to think if they're this or that. They're in bondage, and they don't even know it. Jesus was talking to some, some Jews in, in John chapter 8. Did I save that? I did not save that. Oh, come on. I have to, have to clunk around this Bible. I think I put it up there, though. So we'll be in John chapter 8. He's, he's speaking to a bunch of people, and many believed on him as he was talking to them. And Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, on him if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Praise God. If we continue on the word, in truth, if we continue in that truth, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise God. We can be free. But the next verse is a pretty sad verse. They answer him, we be Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? This is interesting. We're going to stop right there at 33. It's interesting to me because I'm reading in my Bible. I read it. I try to keep up on it. Nothing really changes. It stays the same, praise God. They don't have new editions. You know how many different volumes of those evolution books there are? Probably the best thing I ever heard in college was from my Calc 2 professor. He said, you can use the Calc 1 book. I'm like, yes! You don't have to buy a new book because they didn't change the math in six months. That's great. The math is the same. The word of God is going to be the same forever. It's never going to change. That's what truth is. But Jesus says, you can be set free. And they answer, we've never been in bondage. But I've, I've, uh, I've read Exodus. Knew there was a little bit of bondage there. I've, I've read all throughout 1 Kings and 2 Kings and 1 Chronicles and Judges. And, and, and you know, Jeremiah talks about them. Maybe they're, maybe they're saying they're realizing that we've never been in bondage to man, but we've been in bondage to God through man or something. But it seems a little audacious to say that we've never been in bondage. Our people. God told Abraham himself that your people are going to be in bondage for 460 years or 430. They didn't know that they're really in bondage. They didn't view it that way. But God sees all things, and God knows the truth from what's not truth. He sees the end from the beginning. But it's okay. Jesus doesn't respond with what I would have said. Like, you've been in bondage your whole life. What are you talking about? God's much nicer. Jesus is so much nicer than I am so many times. And if we go on to that next verse, verse 4, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whoever commits a sin is the servant of sin. Oof. Oof. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. So if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You can be free. You can be set free by the son, by Jesus Christ entering into your life. You can have his word hidden deep in your heart, and you're not going to sin at that point. You're not, or you're going to do your best not to sin. I'm not going to make 100% guarantees for the rest of your life. I'm not you, because I know I can't do that, but I know with the grace of God, he can set me free day by day. The wages of sin is death. When you're a servant of sin, all you receive at the end is death. You don't get anything else, but this world likes to play it up like you can be your own boss. You can be whoever you want. You just take control of your life and get that surgery to change everything forever. Do this, do that. But they don't realize that they're going to be in bondage for the rest of their lives, and they're not going to have a hope or a future. But if when you get the truth, when you're established by mercy and truth, when they preserve your life, that's when you have true freedom. That's when you are free indeed praise god i try to lead myself to be less overwhelmed all the time but the youtube videos that i watch just keep my attention they only last 12 minutes the bag of cheetos can only take me so far 
you feel better in the moment, but it really does a number to your waistline, praise God. But it does a number to your spirit and to your soul because you just can't keep it going. There's no way to, to, to turn. There's nothing to, else to go to. But if you say, God, lead me to that rock that is higher than I am. If you say, God, take control of my life and lead me. If you just start to pour out your heart before God, then he can fill you up with a new spirit. He can give you a new heart. And you can have your life changed forever. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. As we all stand, we're out maybe a little bit early, but maybe for just a few moments. It's all right if we just maybe pray. And if you have a heart full today of stuff you don't want there, stuff that's not going to help you in the long run. You don't know what your next direction is in life. You don't know where to go or where to turn. This is the place on the corner of mercy and truth where you can find grace. We read this over here. You can encounter the presence of God. He's in the room right now because where two or three are gathered together in his name, he'll be there in the midst of them. So I know he's here with us right now. I know if we can call upon him, he will come near to us. We can experience new birth, a new heart today in our lives. You can find your purpose. This world just wants to find something. They try to find everything. They go this way and that way. The woman with the issue of blood, she went everywhere. And then Jesus came through her town. She went everywhere. She found every doctor and nothing could satisfy her. Nothing could save her. But then Jesus came through. Oh, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. Lead me to the rock that has the perspective of end from the beginning. Because I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but he holds it. He holds my future. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he has the perspective of everlasting to everlasting. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Lead us to the rock higher than I am right now in the stress and anxiety of work and of trials and tests and tribulations of school coming up. We don't like that sometimes. But what are they doing to the, what are they teaching your children at school? Oh, that gets so overwhelming to think about sometimes. But if I'm led to the rock higher than I am, and I know that I'm putting on the armor of God every day, if I have the helmet of salvation on, if I have the breastplate of righteousness, my heart's going to be intact at the end of the day, at the end of the battle. When I have the shield of faith, I'm not going to be struck by the fiery darts. When I have the sword of the spirit, I'm going to be able to cut down everything the devil puts in my path. And when I have the feet shod with gospel of peace, my path is going to be just all right. It's going to be just all right because I'm walking in the way I need to go. Lord Jesus, I pray that the chains of fear and anxiety and of bondage and of what the world tries to do to the church is broken because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that, that we just have deliverance in this place, that we're led to the rock higher than I, that our hearts are poured out and ready for what you have in store for us, for your wonderful presence, for your wonderful spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.